Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Football season is already halfway through, and basketball season is now in full swing, and BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code Believe 50, B L E A V 50, to receive your bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Good. Morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is Friday, November 19th, according to my count. May not be so according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you are stopping in to this podcast. Make sure to leave a download five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Doesn't have to be a nice review, just has to be a five-star review. Subscribe follow, download stuff, all that cool shit to help build this dream into a reality. You guys are funding my dreams with every download, and I appreciate that from each and every one of you, and I love you for it. We have a powerful Walter Mitchell Power Hour here today on the Take It Easy podcast. You can follow Walter's work over at Revenge of the Birds as well as the Red Rain podcast, which I help produce as well. So, You should check that out if you want some Arizona Cardinals game recaps and in-depth action from SB Nation. Check that out with our buddy Walter. So we will get to our conversation in a minute. Just side note, we recorded it Thursday morning, so stories that we couldn't get to. The Falcons getting zero points against the New England Patriots made me so sad. I watched a good portion of that game, and it was... It was a classic Patriots just slugfest. Just the Patriots had control the entire game. McCorkle was like 80, it's like 78% completion percentage. McCorkle, of course, for people who don't know, is Mac Jones. Uh, I like calling him McCorkle. I've been calling him McCorkle for the past couple hours, and uh, I think it's something that I'd like to stick permanently. So yeah, good things for McCorkle. And the Patriots, they were in control the entire game. The They've now gone, I think, seven quarters without allowing a point, which is Patriots defense at its finest, executing better with better players and better talent, that are playing better than their talent would suggest. That is the New England Patriots getting, them, getting more out of their talent than other teams are. The Patriots came into this game ranked 15th in offense. I imagine they'll be there because they had a great offensive game. So their top half offense and a top 10 defense that's going to be good enough to get you to 7-4, and four, especially in this weird playoff format this year where the AFC is really hard to figure out. So congratulations to McCorkle and the Patriots on being back. After one year of stinking, they are immediately back to being somewhat of a threat. 
So we didn't get to that story with Walter, although we kind of talk about the Falcons a little bit. Uh, we do not get to the fact that Giannis Antetokounmpo may have been unvaccinated in the 2021 NBA Finals when his brother got COVID. Now, Giannis did test negative, according to reports, but Matt Sullivan of Rolling Stone wrote an interesting piece about how the NBA kind of hit like panic button towards the NBA Finals when there was an outbreak in the Milwaukee Bucks organization that included Thanasis getting COVID. We didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about Antonio Brown having a fake vax card, which is something that more people did. Statistically, it's impossible for there to have only been like three fake vax cards in the NFL. Antonio Brown also is vaccinated according to his agent and was willing to get a booster shot on camera to prove it. So this is a very weird story because Antonio Brown's chef, who probably did not get paid by Antonio Brown, because we know from the magical Antonio Brown saga from two years ago, that Antonio Brown has a habit of not paying his employees and then getting taken to court and settling out of court. So yeah, Antonio Brown's chef with a vendetta went out and uh, basically showed text of Antonio Brown's girlfriend talking about getting a J&J card for $500 and went to the Tampa Bay Times and talked about it. So, yeah, that's a fun, interesting story, and it takes people with vendettas to expose fake vax cards because apparently it's really hard to figure out if fake vax cards are fake. So, yeah, that's an interesting story as well, which we did not cover, but I wanted to just dabble into right here at the start. So those are the three stories from the day that I found interesting. We did not cover those with Walter Mitchell, but we will get into a fantabulous power hour with our friend here on this lovely Friday, headed into a weekend before a week that leads into Thanksgiving. picks but of the three people who have got what is it 50 games now yeah we're 50 games into the season you are this is kind of unbelievable you are 26 24 on the season and Mm -hmm. then the other the other two of us are 25 24 and one which is wow pretty much everyone's just 500 (laughs) that's tight man yeah and also us actually know what it is we're watching <laughs> we're all pretty much 500 at this point well it's, it shows how tough it is it is it's very very strange all of this very, un- very unpredictable strange. exactly yes. it's unpredictable and it's so? uncanny about how many of the spreads come down to the last play of the game yes which is exactly where vegas kind of hits it at because they're very good at setting amazing it's incredible really it is crazy how you get it over a long sample which is another fun stat i saw this week which is uh thanks to the panthers and cardinals game this week going to carolina the cat teams versus bird teams all time are 204 (laughs) 204 and 10 (laughs) that's pretty amazing i saw that too which makes sense because, like, if you're just picking randomly, no bird team is statistically more likely to be better than a cat team. If you're just randomly selecting a a, a bunch of teams out of the NFL pot, then some of them are going to be good, some of them are going to be bad, uh, theoretically, over, you know, 70 years of football. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, let's see what we got here. So let's start off with the Colts at the Buffalo Bills. And I picked this specifically because I have a Colts question as well, but the Bills are a touchdown favorite at home. Colts. All right. You are rolling with Indy against Buffalo and you only need a touchdown cover. I made a joke on another podcast that, uh, this is the rare time that I'm calling for like on the roulette table, picking green, or I'm going to say Buffalo wins by exactly seven points. That seems about perfect for this game. Um, the Colts question I was interested in is around Jonathan Taylor, because it feels like the offensive player of the year is now like a de facto best non-quarterback award. And it felt like Derrick Henry was going to get it all the way through. And obviously he's hurt now, but it seems like Jonathan Taylor got that one. uh, I think it was a Thursday night game against the jets where he kind of went berserk. And after that, everyone kind of, you know, anointed Jonathan Taylor as one of the best running backs in the NFL. And I always find so difficult to separate the running back from the scheme that they play in, which is hard to do. But Jonathan Taylor was a second. They they spent a big draft capital. I think he was a high second round pick for the Colts and is actually really, really good. And I did not think that would happen. So what do you make of the Colts this year? Kind of like staving off elimination and falling into that like purgatory the Steelers are in where you kind of know they're not going to make the playoffs because the Colts technically are five and five and can still make a weird playoff run, but no one really believes in them despite how they've kind of been okay this year. Oh, I, I believe in them. Um, that running game with Taylor and Hines um, is awesome. And Anytime you can run the ball, I mean, it's taking some pressure off of uh, Wentz and the other receivers are starting to get healthy again. And, hope you know, um, so, you know, I, and their defense is is highly capable. Um, they got a stud up front in Buckner and then, you know, Darius Leonard is as good as they get. And uh, their secondary is pretty solid. They'll come up and hit you too. So yeah, I I like their chances actually. Um, and in this game, I, I immediately thought of their running game as a factor of keeping the game close. So that's why I went with the Colts. Yeah, and Buffalo is in a weird place where they can. They're kind of a good defense, but people look at them and they're like. Yeah, we, we, we want to believe they're a good defense, but who knows? We'll see how that goes for them. Well, uh, since that Ravens meltdown, I think they've had a defensive um, – they've made a defensive pivot. I mean, that leaky zone they play, soft zone they played against Lamar was was just awful. Um, and uh, it left like Mark and- Andrews free – when you have a guy like Leonard who can cover a man-to-man, blanket him, and Leonard's out in space covering no one, and Andrews is making catch after catch, and with no adjustment, they just kept in the soft zone. Um, and I think after that, they reviewed the tape and said, you know what, we got to shift gears here, and be more aggressive and play more man, play more combination man zones. 
I think they've improved since then. So, I mean, they've got some horses there, pun intended. Um, <laughs> so on that side of the ball and, um, you know, I, their playoff team from last year and Wentz is doing his part. He's had some good moments. He's had some tough moments, um, but he's a competitor and yeah, I mean, um, I think they're trending upward. Yeah. Carson Wentz for people. It's, it's kind of weird to think about it, but Carson Wentz has been an above average quarterback this year, which is kind of weird, but he has been, which is cool for Carson Wentz. Cause I am obviously the person who once said that at his healthiest, he can be an elite quarterback. And now we kind of know that he benefited the same way Nick Foles benefited from having maybe the greatest offensive line ever assembled. But at the same time, like Carson Wentz is still a capable quarterback, and that's better than I thought he was coming into the season. So credit to Carson Wentz. I think he only missed the one game this year. So it's been a remarkably healthy year for Carson Wentz, and that's yeah. a victory as his body slowly starts to fall apart. But right. it's still a victory because he's been an above-average quarterback this year, which <laughs> the other thing that shocked me was that Carson Wentz is about to turn 29. And I remember Carson Wentz as the wonder kid who almost had an MVP and a Super Bowl MVP at 25. And right. now he's already, you know, the old guy where his body's falling apart now. So that happened real quick for Carson Wentz. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next on here? Packers Vikings. It is at Minnesota. This is just a straight up pick the winner. It's technically a one point spread, but one point spreads are dumb. So just straight up pick the winner between the Packers and the Vikings. It's in Minnesota. It is in Minnesota. Packers. Yeah, this is uh, this is one where it's hard to you got to really believe in Minnesota to to pick against the Packers at any point. Because well, I like Minnesota; are... they're coming on too. They're like the Colts of the NFC, but that Green Bay defense is prolific. Yeah, Green Bay has the best secondary in the NFL. That's feels like bar none at this point. Now, th- <laughs> we talked about this last week on another podcast. I've been joking for years that they just cannot stop the run. They're just incapable of stopping the run. And in fairness, they've been not horrible this year at stopping the run. So if that's going to be the game plan and you have the best secondary in the NFL, then defense might be good enough to get over the hump. And I think most people do believe in the Packers in some shape or form to make another playoff run. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, and maybe they'll play Arizona at some point here. Who knows? Uh, let's see. We get a rematch of that just chaotic Thursday night game. I'd love to see it again, just because that game taught us nothing about either team. Um, next up. Oh, this is a dirty game. I'm sorry I'm doing this to you. Uh, the Lions are at the Browns. The Browns are 11-point favorites. This is unfair. This is the Browns is a fair one, but that was unfair of me to do to you. That is a dirty game. (laughs) The Lions going off a bye against Cleveland, and Baker Mayfield's got a thousand injuries, and 
Nick Chubb yeah. is probably coming back, but man, that is a that is a right. dirty game. <laughs> yeah, you have to go. I'm going to go with the Browns there. Yeah, it's it's hard to trust the Lions. We all want to believe, but it, it's hard to trust the Lions when they they give you so many reasons to not believe. <laughs> well, they're playing. They're they're playing hard, and you know. So, but I yeah. just don't. I think Cleveland's going to be highly motivated coming off their drubbing and they're at home. So, yeah, it, I, it seems like one they would have to win at some point, which Cleveland, Cleveland feels like the 49ers case over again, where it's just injuries are kind of derailing their season. Cause I think coming in, most of us thought Cleveland was at least one of the like five best teams in the, in the AFC. And they still might be because after uh, after the four division winners, there's a little bit of a drop off, but it feels like it's just injuries are are derailing their entire season, and it feels a little explainable. Right. Yeah. So next up, we have the Bengals at the Raiders. The Bengals are one and a half point favorites. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. They've been really. Um, struggling as of late. I'm going to go with Raiders there. Yeah, these teams. This is a this is a matchup where uh, I was on another podcast. I just straight flipped a coin to decide this game because yeah. these teams are literally just doing a, a meme of each other. They're basically the exact same team at this point. They were both five and two, and no one knew how they were five and two. Bengals lost to the Jets. Raiders lost to the Giants, uh, and then Raiders lost to the Chiefs, and the Bengals lost to, I think it was Cleveland, in a drubbing. So they've pretty much been the exact same team this year. Yeah. It's been a weird start so far. So you got the Raiders at home, but it's also kind of home because the Raiders don't have home field advantage for any of these games. Uh, they had to do a silent count on Sunday during the, the, char- the Chiefs game, which I found unbelievable. Uh, and then finally, we have Pittsburgh at the Chargers. The Chargers are five and a half point favorites. Chargers. Yeah, that one. That one feels like the trendy pick this week, which scares me. And it seems it seems so obvious. That I'm like, am I missing something here? No, and, I mean, it... and Pittsburgh's going to be pissed after their tie and everything. But I just think the car, the Chargers, uh, T.J. Watts out. I, I so. Yeah, I like Chargers in that one. See, I do too, and I I'm confused by that. I'm like, why is it so easy to pick this one? It can't be. It can't be that easy, right? The Steelers, Steelers are bad, but they can't be that bad, right? Like, <laughs> I just yeah. don't know what to do with them at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anything you have that is very intriguing over the past? I don't know week or so something that you you have uh, noticed that's interesting um um i can't think of anything off the top of my head yeah, that's fair. I'm thinking back through some of the things we've talked about before. Matt Ryan 
probably not going to get 5,000 yards, but there's still a, a chance. There's somewhere down the line where he's got the chance to stay alive at this point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The Falcons are in a weird place right now where they are, they're not actually good, but they're still in that uh, gigantic mashup in the NFC playoffs. And I love it. But at the same time, they're probably going to get boat raced by the Patriots. By the time people have listened to this, the game will be over. So it's going to be funny if they win the game, but it feels like that's going to be the unofficial end of the Falcons as they kind of pivot a little bit. Right. Yeah. So that's something interesting. Uh, 49ers are interesting. I'm just going through the schedule now. I'm like, what's an interesting thing going on here in the, in the 2021 season. And that one's kind of cool to see Niners, except for the fact that I don't know why they're not playing Trey Lance at this point. Um, because Garoppolo's playing well. It's he's playing really well. So defense that, really let them down, except now, not after not after uh, you know, last week's game against the Rams. They played great. That is true. And you know, the Rams Rams genuinely felt like they got beat in that one. Like the Titans game, I felt like I could explain that one away. This one feels like the Rams genuinely got beat by the 49ers. I didn't watch as much of the game, but checking in here and there and box score to watching afterwards, it feels like, oh, this was pretty much the 49ers just dominating all the way through, which I guess the 49ers can still do which is something I guess we weren't really sure about is what version of the 49ers still existed since they're now like, I think 10 and 10 and 20 something after that Super Bowl year, something like that. Right. Well, one thing that stands out to me at least is that uh, what a fool's errand it is to try to predict games down the line. Um, because of all the moving parts each week. And it really depends on, um, you know, what the state of the team is that your team is playing next. I mean, how the stars align in those games um, uh, have can have a major impact. I mean, you don't know until game, game time – with some teams who's active and who's not. And sometimes those are, those are decisions that can influence the game. I think what we've seen this year is that every team is capable of having a great game of showing up. And I think part of that is that psychologically the teams don't haven't adjusted yet and don't know the answer yet to how to cope with the thought of a 17 game season. Um, and what sacrifices you have to make to be competitive week after week, um, you know, what it takes out of your team to, to do that. Um, and, um, and how you sustain it, uh, is a factor and, you know, seen, uh, some amazing upsets, but, um, we've seen teams rise up and play, you know, great games. It seems like in a lot of these games, um, whoever comes out of the first quarter hot um, can prevail, no matter who the teams are. 
like the Jaguars the other week um, when they won. Um, and, I mean, the Jaguars have a lot of talent. I mean, the, the parity around the league is is showing itself. Um, it's manifesting. I mean, you know, I don't know how many teams really want to play the Jaguars right now. Uh, because <laughs> I their, would. Their I'd defense, want to play the Jaguars. <laughs> well, their defense is fast. Um, they're very quick to the ball. They generate pressure. And Trevor Lawrence is starting to mature a little bit. And they've got, you know, a good running game. And, you know, they've got components in place there. And they're playing very competitively right now. And, you know, I think that they're capable. I, I could say this. I think that they're capable of of hanging tough with virtually every team in the league save maybe a handful. Um, and, uh, you know, so, I mean, people who've circled that as an easy win uh, going down the stretch this year, I'm not sure that's going to be an easy win for teams necessarily. And, uh, you know, you look at this Panthers team now with Cam Newton arriving. Um, you know, if they settle out, if they get, positive performances from the quarterback position which has been their kind of a um they're one of the more inconsistent uh positions uh, with that defense and you know with their with christian mccaffrey back i don't know how many teams want to want to see them on their schedule right now and uh they have the bucks twice in the last three weeks that's going to be, I think, pretty interesting to watch. Um, so, you know, the, this is the thing is that you never know from week to week who's coming in primed and ready and healthy and and uh, thinking big thoughts about a game. And, um, you know, anything can happen. And it makes it pretty exciting. I mean, but it also makes it like we just did our picks also makes it very, very difficult to make these picks versus the spread. Of course, which is why we don't actually invest anything into it. We just kind of make picks and see what happens at the end of the season, which is more fun for myself. And what's interesting about the parody side is that this is like the post Brady anarchy that some people thought would happen in the AFC, which it looked like for for a minute there, like you were going to transition seamlessly from Brady Manning into Patrick Mahomes, and that Patrick Mahomes was just going to fill the void there, and the AFC was still going to have, you know, seven franchises that only make the playoffs twice in two decades because all the same yeah. teams are always at the top in the in the AFC, and that kind of we're we're kind of somewhere in the middle with that right now. It's kind of like. Teams that have never been good are now getting good again, whether it's Buffalo or Cincinnati or, well, even the Chargers. I know the Chargers the Chargers have had a rough stretch here, and they made the AFC Championship a couple times, or one time and should have made it a second time. Technically should have made it three times. Anyways, instead of talking about my tormented childhood, um, there are teams that have not been as good. The Titans all of a sudden are good again. Um, and that's something that hasn't happened before. But um, the, my favorite stat around that is that the AFC for the last 20 years have only had six different 
quarterback or what is it? Six quarterbacks going back to Rich Gannon. Six quarterbacks play in the Super Bowl. Six teams play in the Super Bowl. And in the NFC, 12 different franchises have made the Super Bowl in the last 15 years. And of that 12, you also have two completely different 49ers teams in there. So it's 13 technically different teams in 15 years make the Super Bowl. Um, And you have that level of parity that the NFL is, we kind of talk about a lot, that the NFL legislates parity really well, where one year you can be good and the next year it's over, like the Falcons, the 49ers, the Carolina Panthers, the Philadelphia Eagles, all of the teams that have been to the Super Bowl recently, like one year you're good and the next year it's over. And that's something that can happen in the NFL and probably happens in the NFL more than any other sport. And we're starting to see that now in a, and an AFC that is void of a dominant superpower, which the chiefs filled that void as soon as the Patriots stopped winning. But even still the chiefs, the chiefs are still probably really good, but I think a lot of people don't believe in the chiefs the same way they have the past three years, like that they're beatable any given week. And so if you take away that superpower, it leaves a lot of anarchy at the top of the conference between what I think is four teams, but someone wants to argue six teams, it's fair enough. Yeah, and with the extra playoff spot in there, which I think is great, um, it, it keeps more teams in the hunt. Um, it makes things more exciting. And also, seeing as how the Bucks did last year as a wild card team, running the table after their bye week, winning four straight to end the season, and then, you know, winning every game in the playoffs, uh, virtually having to be on the road. Um, Now, of course, they had Tom Brady and a, you know, band of all-stars. But they had been, you know, they timed it right. They had been struggling off and on in, up to their bye week. And then uh, they regrouped, made a, a, a huge shift in turning the offense over to Tommy and uh, backing the coaches off. Their defense caught fire. I mean, this year you look at their defense and their defense is struggling. I mean, Todd Bowles is one of the best coordinators in the league. No question about that. But I think what happened, I mean, there's a psychology to this. I mean, that, you know, there's an interesting dynamic between trying to players trying to save themselves in order to have the stamina to go 17 games plus into a deep into a playoff run that, you know, putting it all out on the line week after week, uh, I don't know is sustainable on a physical level for a vast majority of the players. So I think there's a psychology to this. I think it's part of the reason why the Chiefs are struggling this year, in addition to having to rebuild their offensive line, is that, you know, the players went deep into the playoffs last year and they're, you know, they played a month later than other teams. And, you know, that takes it, it, a physical and mental toll. And so I can you take know, these... it a step further there. If you count preseason games, the Kansas City Chiefs 
if you take out the one year that had preseason games, if you go all the way back, the Chiefs have played now, I believe it's 68 games in the last three calendar years. Right. Because they've gone three years deep into the playoffs and have played full regular seasons for this entire stretch now. Right. And people talk about the pundits talk about the Super Bowl hangover. Um, and that's a real thing because, you know, teams that have been stretched out and know the commitment that it takes and the sacrifices that it takes and the, the wear and tear that it takes. Um, you know, there's a psychology to that that I think is very real. And, um, you know, players are trying to cope with the fact that this is a marathon and not a sprint. And from week to week, there's no telling what, how those teams are going to respond, particularly if they get punched in the mouth early in games. It's really interesting because I talked about this with the Cardinals when they, were, when they first were talking about Kyler's injury. I think it was before the 49ers game. And when I heard it, I'm like, oh, sit him for an entire month and you can survive. Like, you know you're either going to be the winner of the NFC West or you're going to be the five seed in the NFC. So if you're going to sacrifice the home field advantage for a healthy Kyler all the way through, you, or at least a more healthy Kyler and a more healthy DeAndre Hopkins, that's a trade-off you probably make and you're going to be fine if you do it. It's not like you're in jeopardy of the season derailing without Kyler for a month or even six weeks if necessary. It's the, the, you can survive it in this landscape of the NFL this year. And you guys over in Arizona have had the perfect example of how you monitor a full season when the regular season is less important than it's ever been before. Yeah. Um, you know, that's such a tantalizing scenario for the Cardinals. I mean, Kyler's back this week on the practice field, albeit in a limited capacity. Uh, Colt McCoy, who started the last two games, suffered a pectoral injury to his to his throwing side, um, and yesterday was on the field but not throwing. And then you have Chris Streveler, who has only play, played a little bit in the NFL. I mean, the Cardinals this week tried to poach Steve Buscelli off the Chiefs practice squad, whom the Chiefs had been protecting every week, and the Chiefs countered by signing Buscelli to the roster. Um, and it, it, it is a really tantalizing dilemma because, you know, with the Cardinals having a bye week next week, it would be ideal if they could just, in a, in a certain way, try to get, you know, try to keep Kyler rehabbing all the way through the bye week and have him virtually back to 100% to go into the last six games of the season. Um, but at the same time, you're playing a division opponent in Seattle, up at Seattle. You have a golden opportunity to... Um, make a strong run to win the division, which guarantees a home game. And they're right up in the 
in the conversation for number one seed at this point at eight and two. Um, you know, Packers have some tough games coming up. Um, and, uh, you know, so part of you just wants to roll the dice with Kyler. And uh, even though Cliff Kingsbury said, you know, he hasn't quite turned the corner all the way yet. That was his quote yesterday. And if that's the case, you know, that probably means to me with a high ankle sprain, we're not, they're not sure yet if Kyler can put, you know, can pivot and turn off that foot effectively, which, you know, for a player of, of his ilk and how he's so dependent on his legs, I mean, that's, you know, and how he protects himself and how he escapes pressure. Well, that's a big, big factor. So, I mean, I, I wrote an article yesterday about, uh, Chris Streveler because, um, you know, it looks to me like he's the only healthy quarterback right now. And uh, the Cardinal fans don't seem to like him, but, uh, you know, he's raw, um, you know, he helped Winnipeg win a uh, um, Grey Cup, um, and since he since he arrived in the NFL, he's played against the Rams <laughs> um, in Week 17, thrown in there when Kyler reaggravated an ankle injury. Coincidentally, um, and of course he struggled versus the Rams, but you know, a week later in the wild card round. So did Russell Wilson, big time. In fact, if you look at the stats, Streveler actually did a little better than Russell Wilson uh, against that um, vaunted Rams defense last year under Brandon it was, Staley. It was a low bar to hit. Russell Wilson was really bad in that playoff game. I'm still really confused <laughs> by it, even a year later. But, but yes, you are correct. Streveler did play better against the Rams. Well, I mean, you got to credit the Rams defense. I mean, they're they played well until they hit the Packers and the Packers uh, had a formula for beating that defense and they, 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 they really nailed it. But uh, yes, Elton Jenkins but, was the unofficial MVP of the Packers in that game, but yes. <laughs> well, and I thought Lindsay, the center was huge in that game. Um, kind of in, in the interior of that line in handling uh, Aaron Donald and that that outstanding defensive line. Um, yeah, I mean, they took care of business, and they did some things that other teams should have been doing, which was run crossers against Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, they ran that with, with Devontae Adams twice for a touchdown, I believe, and Ramsey was so ticked off. Um, but, you know... Crossers against any cornerback, if if they lose just a you know a couple one foot of leverage, really difficult to defend. Um, at with with a receiver like Devonte Adams, um, so but uh, but yeah, but getting back to Streveler is that uh, King, Cliff Kingsbury is, is you know very has a lot of high he's a tough kid um i don't know if he's ready to go up to seattle and lead a team to victory um but 
you know, I think he's the most logical choice if you want to rest Murray for another two weeks um, because of the bye week coming up. Um, I I mean, uh, with McCoy's pec injury um, and not throwing in practice yesterday, I think that was the reason why they wanted to claim a quarterback, sign another quarterback was in the advent, you know, in the case that Murray and McCoy are out. I mean, you need a second string quarterback, uh, Reveler. So, but the fans, you know, and this has created a fury storm, a firestorm amongst the fans because they they're already saying there's no way Cardinals could win with Streveler at quarterback. He's terrible, um, which refutes what Cliff Kingsbury says about Streveler. Um, Kingsbury raves about his talent and his and his competitiveness. Um, he's a tough kid, uh, but he's untested. You know, he's only had. He, he played last week when after McCoy got injured. He did lead the Cardinals to their only touchdown drive early in the fourth quarter. Um, uh, 11 play, 71 yard drive against a hot defense. They had their Panthers had their starters still in. Um, so that's a positive. Uh, connecting with Zach Ertz on a 17 yard pass with on a third and 15. Which was impressive. Um, you know, yeah, Strevler kind of feels like he's a backup quarterback, right? That's kind of the well, case here. He is, and people have thought coming into the league he'd be a Taysom Hill type, which I think he's capable of being because he's a strong, physical runner, um, and he's played, you know, um, other positions in college. Um, when he was at Minnesota, they had him at, at uh, wide receiver and tight end. That's when he transferred out because he wanted to play quarterback. But I um, went to uh, South Dakota. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's such a dilemma. I mean, but perceptions are, and anyone who's any Cardinal fan who's had the luxury of watching Kyler Murray, I mean, you're not going to find anyone to replace Murray. I mean, no, of course. You know, I mean, come on. Uh, and, uh, you know, few quarterbacks can bring to the table what Murray can. So, but, you know, um, it's a, you know, do you, do you throw Murray out there when he's still not quite, um, you know, it hasn't turned the corner completely yet um, and risk him aggravating the injury or suffering another injury and then, you go into the bye week with more uncertainty about him. Um, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's a tough question. And uh, whenever uh, whenever I hear a high ankle sprain now, I, I think back to uh, Seth Wickersham's book on the Patriots dynasty, which I'm working through it. I keep telling people like twice a week, I'm working through it. It's like a 19 hour audio book, but I'm getting through it. And one of the stories they tell is during the um, the Patriots uh, 18 and 0 season. In 2007, Tom Brady had a high ankle sprain that season. And when his parents walked in to go to dinner, his uh, his ankle up to about his calf and knee area was just swollen purple. And Tom Brady would just push through that and be like, nope, we're still going to go do stuff. I'm going to walk on it. I'm going to have a walking boot. I'm going to rehab all of it. 
And those injuries are brutal because it hurts your mobility so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts for Kyler Murray, of course. But yeah, every like, time uh, I hear high ankle sprain, that I, that image conjures in my head. Yeah, it's like driving on a flat tire. I mean, yeah. no tread, um, no traction from that that leg. And, uh, you know, Kyler needs to protect himself. Uh, and I... I I don't know. If I were making this decision, I would, like you said, the Cardinals could have the luxury still waiting on Murray um, to make sure he's 100%. I think Murray's too vital, and it's such a long season. If, if since the word was he hasn't quite turned the corner completely yet, and Kyler himself says, I'm, I'm very close, that's not close enough for my comfort. So I would, um, you know, I, I'd go with Streveler, uh, and, and come up with a great game plan to try to get up there. And I mean, the Cardinals have been really good on the road this year, uh, five and zero, oh, and, um, their point differential, I think is like plus 91 on the road. Um, in five games, which is pretty amazing. And the, amazing, too, that the, the quality of teams they've beaten on the road, the Titans, the Rams, the 49ers, um, and then, you know, they struggled early with, with the Jaguars. And I'm, I'm telling people right now, the Jaguars team is, has, a, has a lot of talent. And uh, there, I knew that when I saw that with my own eyes the time the, the week the Cardinals played against them, and um, you know that that's no no easy game, and and then um, you know so uh, you know, I I I would want to protect the franchise as best I could, and it's it's tantalizing because of the that this is such a a key. Um, divisional game with a chance for the first time in eons to uh, win on the road versus all three division rivals. I mean, they beat the Rams on the road, they beat the 49ers on the road, and now they go up to Seattle. Seattle's three and six and coming off a shutout against the, the Packers. You know they're going to be, I mean, this is, if they're going to get back in a playoff picture, they this is a must-win for them. They're going to pull out every stop, and Russell Wilson's going to try his gut-level best. He's back now, and you know, so and we know that this that's a team that's very capable. Um, so it is. It presents quite a dilemma. I mean, what would you do? I would sit, but I would also consult with medical <laughs> medical professionals. Um, I'm not. I don't know exactly what Kyler Murray's injury status is, other than just what the what the results coming in are. But I mean, I, I proceed with caution. Uh, the Cardinals, what, the Cardinals are in an unfortunate position where if you if you really care about winning the division, you maybe push for that. But I think you can be fine either way. Like if if you play the odds on this game doesn't really matter that much 
in terms of beating Seattle in the grand scheme of things, which maybe it will, maybe it won't. It's impossible to predict at this point. I would just play it safe if there's even like a shred of a doubt or if he has a giant swollen purple ankle, then I would just sit it because you have the beauty of the built-in bye week as well to be an extended pause for Kyler. Right. Yeah. Yeah, So I think I'm in that boat as well. I'm not sure this is the case, but Kyler said yesterday that uh, it's his decision. And I think I heard uh, in a tweet, and I can't, I didn't, wasn't able to um, look this up yet to corroborate it from another source, but I heard someone tweeting that the, the medical staff of the Cardinals has assured Kyler that he, he won't further damage the ankle by playing at this point. This, this is um, always difficult. It's always difficult. Yeah, which I don't, uh, you know, but on both ends, I'm skeptical. One is I don't think it should be entirely Kyler's decision. Um, no, yeah. It should be the doctor's uh, advice, like you're saying. And then, um, you know, if the, if the medical staff is comfortable with it and they, they feel confident. Um, but as you know, uh, I mean, sometimes you go into a game favoring an injury and you injure something else um, favoring the, the injury. You know, um, so there are a lot of moving parts there again, and it's really tough, but I – I know, I, I think if Kyler insisted, I look, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, and the medical staff has assured him that he doesn't run a huge risk of worsening the injury, um, then sure, I, I bet you know all systems would be go, but um, you know, when One you're of the great pieces, the franchise, yeah. it's uh, probably a good idea to make that a combined decision and not just a decision on the quarterback. One of the great pieces of advice I've heard someone say who worked in front offices for years is the idea that team doctors aren't, are not, their job is not to make you healthy. Their, their job is to make you healthy enough to play, which is why a lot of people go to independent specialists as well. If they're really concerned about the long-term health of their body is that team doctors have, an incentive to get you on the field. And I'm sure Kyler Murray wants to play as well. Same way Russell Wilson wanted to play last week. And his hand specialist was amazed that he was able to play in that short amount of time. And, you know, Russell Wilson played very poorly last week because he probably wasn't fully healthy at that point. But even still, it's, it's an impossible question to answer because you have to take someone at their word, but also everyone has incentives in different ways. And it's just not a fun situation for anyone. Right. Yeah. I think of the Baker Mayfield situation where he needs money. He wants a new contract at this point. His entire body is broken, but he's playing through it to try and get that contract, which is brutal. (laughs) It's a brutal situation to find yourself in there. He's already up for another contract. So he, uh, he has his fifth-year option next year. Uh, he had the option to extend this offseason beyond the rookie contract, and uh, the Browns did not extend him this offseason. So he kind of had a bet-on-himself year going into this year. So he, oh. 
he will be on the fifth year option next year. And then after that, he has no contract for the future after that. Now they can okay. always do the Dak Prescott thing and franchise tag him, but he, sure. he he's under contract through 2022 with the Browns. Sure. Which makes sense for them to do. I think if I'm the Browns, I'd wait another year. I mean, it's not fair to judge him as much this year because the guy's been gutsy trying to play through some painful injury. I mean, that dislocated shoulder he's had is, you know, I mean, he it popped out against the Cardinals and he went into the tent. They knocked it back in and he went back out and played. Yeah, he's playing with a, a torn labrum in his shoulder, and then against the Browns, he also suffered a uh, sprained knee. So now he's working yeah. with a torn shoulder and a sprained knee and whatever else injuries are going on. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's, that yeah. last year, Baker Mayfield proved that he's uh, he's a high-quality quarterback. I don't think anyone considers him elite yet, or but you know, you certainly win with him, um, and he's a feisty competitor. I think now that OBJ is no longer a pressure, um, that might help Mayfield. Uh, you know, with the rest of this year, um, he loves Peoples Jones and you know Landry, and he's got chemistry with them. So, and David Noku. Um, Njoku, uh, you know, they've got some pieces, and um, you know, I think he'll be solid. But if they're not completely sure, if they think they can upgrade the position, then it would make sense to just write him out of you know, pay him on a fifth year option. And, and yeah, and they have a lot of time. It's just this is the norm in the NFL is that, you know, right. after your third year, Josh, uh, Josh Allen got extended this offseason and they're the same draft class. Lamar Jackson should have gotten extended this offseason, but he's like representing himself. So he just delayed the contract negotiations himself. And uh, Jared Goff got it after three years. Carson Wentz got it after three years. Like it's just kind of the norm thing that's happened in the NFL for better or for worse. And Cleveland is using their leverage of we don't technically have to make a decision for three years and we're going to take all the time that we need to make that decision. I respect that. Yep. Yeah. I do. I, and I, I, get I, I actually think that um, it's a smart thing to do with quarterbacks on their rookie contracts so that you can pay other people and make your team as competitive as possible. Yeah, they do have to pay him a lot coming up. Like, so for example, like this year, they're still on the rookie contract, but after this year, it's a, I think $21 million fifth year option. Cause he was the number one pick in the draft. And then if they were to franchise tag him, that would be somewhere in the 30 million range. So they, they will still have to pay him, but it's just basically a two year long extension instead of a five-year long extension is kind of the bet they're making on that one well and 21 million is cheap for a relatively quarterback so that you get for another year before you decide to you know throw the 35 to 40 million a year at him 
Exactly. Yeah. And they, they just want a two year window to figure that out. I think, which I think 21 would make him like the 11th highest paid quarterback right now, but some of the really? ones ahead are kind of weird. Yeah. It's, it's just weird how it worked out. Cause you can like move money around relative to the salary cap. So some people are slightly lower. Um, and <laughs> I think like Ben Roethlisberger's used to be ahead, but now all his money was deferred. So uh let's see 2021 qb salary numbers um yeah this is courtesy of over the cap for this year's numbers so in terms of salary cap number directly because people can get you know bonuses and things like that but it doesn't matter because it's not it's not a competitive balance thing so uh in terms of salary cap numbers this season uh, 21 million would make you the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Wow. In terms of a ones, salary cap number. Who are the ones above 21 million? So we have Russell Wilson at 32 in terms of his cap number. He has signing bonuses and incentives and things like that. But this is strictly in terms of the salary cap number. So everyone right. operates under the same amount. Right. So Wilson, 32. Kirk Cousins, 31, Aaron Rodgers, 27 and a half, Matt Ryan, 27, Jimmy Garoppolo, 26, Big Ben, 26, Derek Carr, 21 and a half, Carson Wentz, 21 and a half, Matthew Stafford, 21. So those are the people that would be ahead. And then if you go further down, like Dak Prescott is 20, Deshaun Watson, 16 on the fifth year option, Tannehill, we know those are backloaded contracts. So, yeah, if I if I go to twenty twenty two, I think the numbers would change quite a bit. And obviously, yeah. people restructure their contracts every off season, but I imagine those numbers will go up. Yeah, here's a few. Click on so, tw- click on twenty twenty two. See what it says. Yeah, there's some funny ones in here. Now, obviously, these people won't actually get this because they'll restructure their contracts to you know navigate the salary cap, but. Matt Ryan, forty-eight million. Yep. Aaron Rodgers, forty-six. Yep. Kirk Cousins, forty-five. Uh, Tannehill, thirty-eight. Um, Russell Wilson, thirty-seven. Mahomes, thirty-five. Deshaun Watson, forty. Uh, Prescott, thirty-four. Jared Goff, thirty-one. Carson Wentz, twenty-eight. <laughs> yeah, people will restructure those contracts, but at the same time, it's funny that those numbers just shoot up after twenty twenty-one. Well, there you go. That's why twenty-one million for a fifth year to make sure this is your guy is a bargain. Yeah. So Baker Mayfield's official fifth-year option number is eighteen point nine. So basically, nineteen million dollars on the fifth-year option, specifically to the cap. So that would make him, as it stands right now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. That would make him the 14th highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Bargain. That's why you do it. Yeah, that's a bargain. Yep. All righty. Walter, thank you again. Uh, I appreciate a power hour here on uh, on Thursday, I guess. Um, yeah, thanks for thanks for doing it this morning. Absolutely, little rock. Uh, it's always a pleasure, and I wish you well, and a fu- have a fun weekend, and uh, 